Oh, hi there. Sorry, I was just working on um, it was, it was one of my uh, songs. I, I think in the land of the living, you call it Psalm 139. It's been a long time since I've been there. Let's see, I think it's been about... Well, I stopped counting 800 years ago. I think you're close to a thousand years. Welcome to the kingdom of death. Some call it Shul, some call it Hades. Everyone was once destined to come here. I think right now in the land of the living, they call it the year 4 B.C., I was once a king, I once wrote songs, but I find it hard to sing anything but this one terrible song. You see, here in the kingdom of death, in Hades, in Shul, there's, oh, how embarrassing, I'm losing my kingly manner here. You can't eat or drink and be satisfied. Everything turns to ash in your mouth. There's darkness all around. There's wailing. There's weeping. There's two sides. There's two different people. People here suffer under the reign and bondage of death, who is a terrible tyrant, and Satan is doing his thing. Everyone here is in despair, except for those who live for God. They are freed from the despair because they have hope. I used to have hope. I used to sing songs like, Clap your hands, all you people, shout to God. And hallelujah, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. It's hard to sing those songs in the land of the dead. It's hard when you've been waiting a thousand years and wondering if your songs were false and is God really coming? So I keep on reminding myself that even if I make my bed in hell, he is there. No darkness shall hide me from you, O Lord. But, O Lord, how long? How long, O Lord? How long? But then, things began to change. People pop into Hades all the time. It's nothing new that someone comes into this realm. They're always confused at first. They're terrified. And some of them then find their way to us, to Abraham's bosom, where we hang out and wait for the Messiah. Others are chained and taken away into graves or to do some manual labor. But this one dude came, and he was so old. He was older than most people who come here. And, well, this is how I used to sit. I would just sit. And all I could remember were my laments. I couldn't remember my songs of praise and rejoicing. Isaiah and Daniel and Jeremiah and Solomon and Ruth. And they all come to me and say, Why don't you sing those psalms of praise, King David? And all I can remember are the laments. And the mourning and the pain. Anyways, this old guy shows up. And Isaiah 
greets him. And Isaiah says, wow, you're much older than most people who arrive here. And the guy said, I was granted to live a long life until my eyes beheld the Lord's salvation. And I did. I held the Messiah in my arms. And then God was good to let me go. And then Isaiah said, the Messiah? You held the Messiah? What's your name? My name is Simeon. And I was tasked with translating the scriptures from Hebrew to Greek. And when I came upon this one passage, it said, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And I thought, that's impossible. So I began to write, The woman will conceive and bear a son. But then an angel visited me and said, No, Simeon, you are to write a virgin. And you will see this son who will be born of a virgin before you die. And so I said, yes, sir. And I wrote virgin. And then Isaiah said, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Those are my words. You are translating my prophecies. And then Simeon said, oh, can it be? You are the great Isaiah? Oh, it pains my heart to think of how long you miserable souls have been sitting here. And then I'm over here singing my song. How long, oh Lord, how long? And Isaiah said, well, David has a hard time with it, but most of us are... Well, we're somewhat comforted. But come, come, come. You must tell us more about this Messiah. This is good news. Daniel, Daniel, this guy held the Messiah in his hands. How, how, how old was he when you held him? Uh, I think about 40 days. 40 days, Daniel, 40 days. How long do you think till Messiah will come? Daniel's whipping out his calculations. Well, I think it'll be about 33 years and we'll be out of here, guys. I really hope so. Sometimes I'm not sure. We've had hope before. Simeon gave us hope, but then all I could do was keep on with my song. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? So we waited. And almost 20 or 30 years later, I had to keep singing that song on repeat. Another soul shows up, an interesting soul. <laughs> Isaiah, who is that one? I don't know, but he looks like he's coming to our side. And then Simeon gets up. The old man gets up and starts running. Can it be? 
Joseph, it's so good to see you. And Joseph says, Simeon, it's so good to see you. And they embrace one another. And Isaiah and I look at each other. Do you guys know each other? I presume you know about the Messiah, Joseph. Know the Messiah, Joseph says. I was the Messiah's caretaker. (gasps) What was it like? I got to see the creator of the universe take his first steps. I got to hold him. I taught him my craft. I saw him grow up. And, well, here I am. We're getting closer, guys. We're getting closer. But it wasn't to be yet. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long, O Lord, how long must I bear grief in my No need to guess. He's already introducing himself. Everyone, I'm here to tell you the Messiah is on his way. And I've been sent. I'm the prophet of the Most High to prepare his way. Make yourselves ready. He is going to save us from our sins. He was an energetic fella. And Isaiah said, of course, the voice in the wilderness who will proclaim the way of the Lord to make straight his paths. And then we, rec- we, 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 we learned his name was John, the forerunner. And he excitedly told us, yes, the Messiah is alive. Yes, he's come. And oh, oh, I saw him. I saw him one day in the crowd as I was baptizing people in the river Jordan. And the Spirit told me, that's him. That's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then I baptized him. And oh, brothers, sisters, it was amazing. The heavens were ripped open and the voice of God thundered. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended like a dove upon him. Oh, it was wonderful. Isaiah was so ecstatic, and I even began to feel a little bit of hope. And we wanted to know more. What's the Messiah doing? What's he doing? And John just shook his head and said, Alas, I didn't get to see. I heard rumors that he was opening the eyes of the blind and making the lame walk and making the deaf hear and healing lepers and teaching, and and people are beginning to follow him, and hope is coming But I never saw any of it. I was imprisoned and the last thing I knew, a a sword was being flung toward my head. (gasps) 
But I've been sent to warn you guys too. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's, 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 let's awaken the brothers, Isaiah was saying. Let's go share with the rest of them the good news that you have. We're, we're not here for much longer. And so I actually got up out of my ash heap and I followed Isaiah and John, the forerunner, as we went to the cave. I believe in the land of the living, they call it. Abraham's bosom. I understand that's really confusing. Abraham's there. And um, we walked into the cave. And I hadn't seen anyone walk in there for the first time in a long time. And you should have seen the look on John's face when we emerged into the cave. And he saw Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, and Gideon, and Jonah, and Job, and, and Noah, and Ruth, and Esther, and, uh, and Moses, and Aaron, and Miriam, and Elisha. All this, this plethora of these wonderful heroes and they all saw John come in and, well, I hadn't really thought about how weird he must have looked to everybody. And when I saw their faces, it made sense. The guy had this raggedly, massively scraggly beard and there were locust legs stuck in it because there was sun-baked honey crusted all over his beard and his skin was leather tan from the sun and he had wild, this wild look in his eyes and he wore camel hair and he commanded attention and there was this charisma about him as his eyes bulged with hope and glory and and he walked into the cave and, and Isaiah showed him what you see we have on our wall in the cave. These little things that as each prophet showed up and each person came and we gathered pieces of the Messiah. And Isaiah began to explain. I know that doesn't make much sense to you, John. But this is what we have. This is what we've been working on. Um, we know from Moses that there were altars and sacrifices and, and that there was a Passover. And, and we know from uh, Adam that there was a garden and a serpent. And, and there's these genealogies that we've been trying to track. And we've been wondering, where is the Messiah going to rule? And then there's this, there's this mysterious Melchizedek person. And we've been trying to piece it all together. But, but John, you bring an important piece to the puzzle. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so John began to share with us everything he knew about the Messiah. And we all listened with hope sitting on the edge of our seats. But when John stopped, we all sat in silence and awe and wonder. But then John heard in the silence what we have all grown so accustomed to. The awful, terrible sound of weeping and moaning and wailing coming from somewhere in the heart of Hades. And John's passionate excitement waned and drooped. And he couldn't believe what he was hearing. What is that? And so Isaiah and I took John out of the cave and we followed the sound of weeping and in the center of Hades there was a platform that was raised and on it were two pedestals and in the pedestals lay two figures 
a man with a very, very, very long white beard and a woman with very, very, very long white hair and their faces sagged with age and grief and unending tears flowed from their eyes and a nonstop murmur of moans. And then the weeping grew as each soul entered into Hades because they felt responsible. John asked, what, what am I looking at? That, John, is Adam, and that is Eve, our parents, who sinned and brought us here. And then they began to weep especially loud, because then another soul entered Hades. But... As Isaiah pointed out, this is not an ordinary soul. Look how they weep. They weep especially hard when children come here. And we saw that there was a 12-year-old girl approaching, and the look of horror on her face and confusion and worry, and she was scared. And Ruth was over there in an instant comforting her and saying, you, you like King David? You want to meet King David? And I thought, oh no, I don't have that charisma right now to make her happy. Don't bring her to me. And she was on her way over to us. And I could hear them talking. Yeah, King David can play you a happy song. He can comfort you. No, no, please, no. I don't remember those. Takes too much of my energy. And then she was whimpering and saying, well, I, I, I'm not even supposed to be here. I was sick on my bed. That was all. I was just sick. And, and my dad sent for Jesus to heal me. And, and now I'm here. And as Ruth was bringing her, I thought, only your great-great-grandmother would do this to you. Only she would bring you a 12-year-old girl to wake her misery out of her soul with a joyful song in the heart of Hades. It's impossible, Ruth. And as she was coming, I thought, okay, all right. This is the day, this is the day. Sorry, my heart's not in it. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And right as the little girl approached to me, came up to me, I said, okay, here we go. And then I opened my eyes to see if she was even listening. And all of a sudden, everyone was looking upward because we heard this booming voice. Little girl, I say to you, arise. And then we saw... Glory pluck her up out of Hades and she vanished. And we all looked and thought, the last time that happened wasn't when Elijah brought that little boy back from the dead, that, like a thousand years ago. And then somewhere in the heart of Hades, we heard death shriek from his throne. <laughs> she was mine! It gave us hope. She saw Jesus. Jesus was going to heal her. He was going to raise her. And then she was here and then she was gone. What is going on? Death is not as strong as we thought he was. 
And then more things began to happen. A boy showed up and said, oh, I died. And my poor, mo- no, my poor mother, she has no husband. And I was supposed to take care of her. No. And he began to rub the ashes of Hades upon his head. He did that for about two hours. And then, young man, I say to you, arise. There he went. As suddenly as he came, and then again, death was shrieking from his throne. What is happening? And we started to get excited. And then, and then, we were talking about what was going on. And I was almost ready to start playing some of the Hallel Psalms of praise. Not quite yet. Almost there. Moses was urging me on. He's like, come on, man. I want to hear those songs that celebrate what I did with the Egyptians. I'm like, I'm not yet there, man. The Messiah is close, but it'll happen soon. And then in the middle of our talking, whoop, Moses disappeared. Isaiah and I looked at each other. John the forerunner was scratching his head. And Elisha thought, what in the Hades is going on here? <laughs> well, there's, there's the marks of where he sat. He's been losing weight. Well, it's hard when he eat ashes here. And then only a few hours later, Moses shows up right where he was, and he terrified us. And Moses was not at all surprised by what had happened. He showed up talking at us 100 miles an hour saying, it's true, it's true, he was there, I saw him. And it was like his body changed, it was shining like radiant light. It was like, I don't know what it was like. It was like, it was like the burning bush. No, no, not the burning bush. It was like even greater. It was like the face of Yahweh himself on Mount Sinai. You, Elisha, you need to hear this. I saw your master, Elijah. He was on the mountain with me. The Messiah is here. Our big works are in the making. Something's going to happen. We're there soon. And as he's shaking poor Elisha, his head is waving everywhere. And we're thinking, Moses, slow down. And he went running off to the cave to tell everybody else and to doodle something on the board what he saw wait the 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 messiah was radiating like the glory of god on mount sinai this might be bigger than we thought he saw elijah elijah never even came here this is amazing and then five weeks later by the reckoning in the land of the living an interesting figure showed up. He was interesting because usually they come ready to be here for a while. But this one showed up wearing bandages, the ones that they tomb embalm people in before they bury them. And Lazarus just strutted up and said, hey guys, it's like he was on vacation or something. We couldn't figure this guy out. Did you, do you know the Messiah? Can you tell us anything? Can you add anything to this board? And he looked at it and he said, wow, that's really cool. Know him. <laughs> my goodness. He came to my house all the time. And Martha would serve him and make food and clean the kitchen. She was like that. And Mary would just love to listen to his stories. And I, well, I guess I died at some point. And uh, he was an amazing fella. Oh, son of God. Oh, totally. Lamb of God. Yes, yes. And as he's telling us and we're hearing more of the, the things he was teaching, we were astonished. This was like nothing we would 
we, we imagine it. And Isaiah was beginning to remember prophecies when he said things like he, he would not shout about in the streets, but he would go about secretly on his mission. And Lazarus is like, that's right. People follow him. They often tell him to say nothing about what he's doing. This guy's amazing. He's not there for a show. He's literally here to serve us. But Lazarus' stay was only four days. Then we heard that majestic, booming voice in which the rocks under our feet shook and made death shriek and Satan bang his head against the rocks of Hades. Lazarus, come forth! And all Lazarus did was wave at us and say, Bye! Hades was in a panic. I'm often forgotten about because often I'm sitting in the ashes and moping and people often think I'm just lost in my, I'm emo, I'm just kind of lost in my world, got the hood on over my head and no one bother me. So I actually overheard Satan and death talking to each other. Satan was really excited about something. And he said, Death, get ready to receive Jesus. He is a weak human being, and he is scared to death to die. We've got a good one. He was sweating drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's so scared of you. And Death said, Well... I know I intimidate even the mightiest of men, and I have dominion over all of them. (laughs) But tell me, who has been snatching people out of my kingdom? If it is this Jesus guy, I'm not so sure he's a mere man. And Satan said, oh, don't worry about it. He's totally weak. He doesn't even, he gets hungry. He eats food. He gets tired. And Get this. He is allowing people to betray him. In fact, right now, I have one of his disciples handing the the soldiers over, handing him over to the soldiers, and he's being arrested as we speak. Do you really think that God could ever empty himself of his immeasurable power and allow this to happen to him? And death. I'm imagining he furrowed his brow and death said, Well, I suppose not. You had better be right. So Satan went off to do his dirty deed. And suddenly, all in the cave, grew very somber. And it's as if suddenly... Everything on our wall and every psalm that I had written and every prophecy that Zechariah and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and the others have ever uttered and Moses and the stories that Deborah and Gideon had lived through, it's as if all of these made sense to us all of a sudden. They were starting to come together because it was at that moment that we heard the terrible ripping crack of a whip lashing 
against the Lamb of God. All of Hades heard it. Crack! Crack! And it kept going and going. And we felt the pain of each one. And then we heard the thump, thump, thump of every nail as it was hammered into his hands and into his feet. Even the wicked in their chains lifted up their eyes and heard what was happening in the land of the living. And then Isaiah uttered his own prophecy and said, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out my beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. And Zechariah said, And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look upon me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly for him as one weeps over a firstborn son. And then my own song came to remembrance. They gave me poison for my food and for my thirst. They gave me sour wine to drink. And then we heard a cry which split every soul in Hades. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is finished. Now, Shoal and Hades is already dark, but this that descended was a darkness that we had never experienced even there. We could not see each other in front of us. We could not see our hands before our faces. It's as if there was no more light in all the universe of God's creation. It was snuffed out at that moment. And then... Even the wailing, the constant soundtrack of Shoal was silenced. And there was a silence so deep it weighed upon one's shoulders. And suddenly, a song. I had totally forgotten about returned to my memory. Arise, O Lord, why sleepest thou? Arise, O Lord, why sleepest thou? Arise, O Lord, arise. Arise, O Lord. 
Why sleepest thou? Arise, O Lord. Why sleepest thou? Arise, O Lord. Arise. And then we felt water dripping on us. Not just water, but we felt water and blood raining down on Shoal everywhere as the side of the Son of God was pierced with a spear and it began to quench the dry land and the ashes of Hades and all of the dead looked up, especially we the righteous, and we lifted our eyes and we realized something was happening. And I continued to sing. Arise, O Lord, why sleepest thou? Arise, O Lord, why sleepest thou? Arise, O Lord, arise. And then the rest of the righteous sang with me. The rest of the righteous sang with me. Arise, O Lord, why sleepest thou? pitch black of dark, we saw a bright beam, a shining light hurtling toward the gates of Hades. And the guards at the gates were frightened and they dropped their weapons and ran to and fro for they were terrified of the approach of the son of God. And then boom, he came up to the gates and I realized what was happening and that this was what I had written in Psalm 24, and I said, Lift up your heads, O gates, be lifted up, O ancient doors, and let him in, the King of glory. And then death said to Satan, No, no, don't let him in. Bar the gates, guards return, do not let him in. Who is this King of glory? And I said, it is the Lord, the glory, the Lord of glory. He is mighty in battle and valiant. Arise, O gates, be lifted up, O ancient doors, and let him in, the king of glory. And then death and Satan shrieked together, no, don't let him in. Who is this king of glory? And I declared, the Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. And at that moment, boom, the gates were blasted open. And the glorious radiance of the uncreated light walked in and death fell before him. And Christ raised his hand and said, release those who have been waiting for me. And he trampled over death as he came and bound the devil and stripped him of his power. And he raised up people out of their pits. And then he walked to the center of Hades. 
And with his nail-pierced feet, he walked up to the pedestal. And with one hand, he reached down and raised up Adam. And with the other hand, he raised up Eve. And their shackles fell off. And the tears on their eyes dried up. And they stood on their feet. And they walked. And Christ began to declare to all in the land of Hades, both righteous and wicked, that he was here to empty Hades and to forever free them from the reign and misery of death. And some listened eagerly and some spat at him. But then he led us and we triumphantly followed him out of the shattered gates of Hades and we walked on their broken brass and we walked up into the heavenlies singing all together Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death. And upon those in the tombs, bestowing life. And here's where it leaves us. The gates of Hades no longer force anyone Because Christ can come into the death of any man's heart if we are willing to open the gates and let the king of glory in. He will descend into any of our any part of our loneliness, our sin, our misery, our passions, and he will free us and raise us up to life. He, because he became like us, will make us fit to be like him, and he will bring us up to the throne of the Father. But each heart must lift up its gates and let the King of glory in.